You'll know when you have a wild woman. She'll practice her craft without boundaries. She is truly autonomous. Her loyalty is only to the family she serves, a midwife who will not allow herself to be held back by a system she didn't create. This podcast is for the birth keepers who want to grow and change. We're open to learning through self-reflection and supportive community. We are creating this space to explore without judgment. We are remembering we were born wild. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Born Wild podcast. We're your hosts, Sophia, Emma, and Leah. I read an article recently on Midwifery Today, and I am going to surprise the ladies by just reading it to them, and then we'll chat about it. Um, So this article is written by Judy Fisher, a midwife in New York. I see myself in her, but I've been taught that that's bad as a professional. I'm her prospective midwife, not her friend. I reinstate my professional role and gut my professional self out, but I'm prancing to an indelicate dance. I'm amputating a chunk of my identity, letting the professional in me emerge preeminently, yet trying to cling to my humanity. My goal is to be professional, yet human and connected. I sit cross-legged, relaxed on a plush peach couch, professional midwife in consult. She smiles brightly at me, proudly pregnant and curvaceous. Simone appears ordinary, 37 weeks pregnant, Middle Eastern and vegetarian. They're a newlywed couple enveloped in the stratosphere of pristine pulsing love. I want to birth my baby unassisted, but my husband wants me to have a midwife present. So he forced me to come to this visit. The couple chuckles. I'm relieved that this cohesive prenatal consult is embedded in happy humor. I've had one prenatal visit so far, simply for the purpose of having documentation that I'm my child's mother. This way, if I ever had to prove it to the government, I can. Wow, I'm learning something new. In all the prenatal visits I've provided, I have never accounted for this particular benefit. I decline lecturing her on the potential dangers of birth. Why amplify the skepticism about normal human childbirth? I don't wanna be stitched up if I tear. I prefer to heal naturally. I don't plan to cut the cord. I will have a lotus birth and will bury the placenta. I would not have a C-section for anything. If this pregnancy doesn't work out, I'm okay with that. I plan to have more children, so I cannot have a C-section. I will gladly carry this pregnancy for 43 weeks. There are risks inherent in nature, and I accept those risks fully. She locks her eyes with mine, face square, and in an even-keeled, resolute tone asserts, the hospital is such a dangerous place to have a baby. It is so, so dangerous, the hospital. I'm astonished. She is a primate, but she sounds like a survivor. I remain curious and cautious. A wild, wild spirited birther in me proudly yearns to divulge that I'd birthed two babies unassisted long before I became a midwife. I'm enticed to brag that I was an instinctive, powerful birther, fiercely self-reliant and emancipated from socialized birthing. In my life before I transformed into a midwife, no one could tame me. I actualized Simone's unassisted birthing fantasy twice. Unassisted birth is self-actualization and undercover rebellion. It vitally made me a better version of myself. I inhabit my body differently than other women do. My mind is rambling. I'm wildly in love with wild birth. Any day, I would sooner have my baby on a New York subway than in a New York hospital. 
wouldn't it be more private? Most Good Samaritan commuters would grant a birthing mother her rightful privacy when she is explicitly exposed. They wouldn't crowd around her on a train, converting her birth into a performance. In the hospital, birth draws spectators, a circle of ununiformed professionals camouflages identically ununiformed students who enter for a delivery. Modesty and decency have been redefined in labor and delivery. My radicalized voice is silenced. I can't support unassisted birth in a professional context. I'd be lending well-reasoned authority to a birth choice that is unsupported by data. You're right. Hospitals are overly interventive and compromising. Planned midwife attended home birth is the gold standard of care for risk appropriate women. I'm playing safe and obediently to ACNM. Suppressing my personal views, I bypass my inner wild self and share only my most recent birth experience, a planned, tame midwife attended home birth. Even as a midwife, I had a midwife present when I had a baby. I deliberately delete my two earlier birth experiences, inescapably my most powerful ones. But Simone is still uncomfortable with midwife attended birth. She dares to be different. I'd want you to come to my birth, but as a friend, not as a midwife, she implores me. I sigh defeatedly. She has struck at my core conflict. I'm attracted to birthers who embrace nature and are cleansed of death phobia. They're liberated to live and birth whole wholeheartedly. But as a licensed midwife, how can I blindly support a mysterious birth journey that may unfold outside the rigid parameters of New York State standard of care? We couldn't just bury a fetus in the backyard. The government would know I had been there. Realistically, if you don't want the baby monitored at all, you need to call the midwife at the last minute and be prepared to birth in your front hallway. Any licensed person will monitor the baby's heartbeat every 30 minutes during the first stage of labor and every 15 minutes during the second. I observe her step, I observe her step into herself as she opens up to new possibilities caged within the framework of society's designated authority on birth. Why can't mothers birth their own births though? Well, oh, sorry. Why can't mothers own their births though? I draw my professional boundary. I'd need to monitor a baby if I'm present during labor. We chat. I am welcomed inside the couple's world. After an hour of talking and connecting, I offer to check the baby. I press the back of my wrist to Simone's hand. Are my hands warm enough? Can I feel your abdomen? Yes, go ahead. I have explicit permission from Simone. Hi, baby. It is Judy, the midwife. Is it okay if I say hi to you? My hands assess the fetal position and size. Together with Simone, I palpate each limb, guiding her hands within mine. I smile as she caresses and envisions her baby, inspired by the life encapsulated within her. The fetus is perfect size, perfect position in an imperfect world. Simone's blood pressure is ideal. She is a conscientious, healthy mother. We oscillate the heartbeat with the fetoscope. I share my earbuds with Simone. Her baby bump whispers to her the primal hum of her baby's healthy heart. I admire Simone. I relate to her. She grew a beautiful baby courageously, creatively, and exquisitely independently. The visit is ending, free of ultrasound. Simone witnesses that prenatal care is not prenatal compromise. I communicate that I am a radically unorthodox safe provider. I needed to become a midwife because I wanted to have more babies. I didn't know where I could receive care that merit trust. I opened my practice as a sanctuary for women like myself who seek safe care. I self-disclose, enough to be relatable, but not enough to be too human or reveal my free birthing. Then please be that sanctuary, Simone's husband, Jonah, beseeches me. 
He enlists me to self-fulfill my ambition, petitioning me to realize my noble role. Jonah doesn't want his wife birthing their baby unassisted. He had been the catalyst for this, this consult. Simone and I hug tightly as the couple heads out. I usher in Elishava, my next prospective client. I cleanse my mind, free my thoughts, and enter a whole new pregnant world. My night terminates with Simone imprinted in me. Her faith in her body beckons me to attend her birth. She is so assertive that she can birth her baby if she grew it. Don't thoughts create form? I confront my professional limits and fiercely squelch the struggling instinct that draws me to attend Simone's birth as a friend. I shake my mind, rippling down the notion. It is in, indeed rare to encounter a woman with such fervent devotion to the birth process. How could I not be there? Three ordinary days pass. Wednesday, I get a call that I only partially expected. It's Jonah. Would you come over now to the birth? Simone is in labor, but doesn't want to be monitored, doesn't want a midwife. Would you sit outside though, in case she changes her mind or has an emergency? His fatigued voice is desperate. In the background, I hear the guttural vocalizations of an active labor. A baby is crawling out. I'm a passive backdrop absorbing the enormity of Simone's voyage. The mother in me wants to mother this mother. The woman in me wants to befriend this mother. The human being in me wants to support this human being, natural-minded and fierce in her belief to birth, her deep confidence in her body, and her accepting responsibility for her choices. I ask more questions to assess the clinical scenario. Simone's water release days ago, her GBS status is unknown, and she won't consider antibiotics. Her birth journey is unfolding outside of my midwifery comfort zone. I'm sorry, I can't be the midwife. I'm not comfortable with waiting outside of a birth. I hear my midwife voice overriding me. The professional in me is stomping my personal self into oblivion. As I feel myself slipping out of my own identity, my inner voice haunts me. You know good and well, Judy, that mammals birth best when they are undisturbed and unobserved. So why can't Simone? My conscience is, my conscience is playing tricks on me. If birth is inherently self-sufficient, why am I not honoring that? Most women I attend as a midwife could have birthed just as safely without me. Have I arrogantly taken credit for delivering them? I respect my, I respect self-help and self-sovereignty and womb sovereignty. If I respect Simone, I should help her in the way she requests it. I am forced to confront the devil in my devotion to birth. Is the plaintiff friendly environment driving me to practice defensively? Are the criticism I callously sling at colleagues really a reflection of a cowardly part of myself that I haven't reckoned with? My birth faith continues to storm me. I indulge as a reader in radicalized birth works. My mentor's voices are stinging in my ears. I try to guess how they'd respond. Is this a test of my shared humanity? Am I failing grossly? Or am I a responsible, rational provider protecting my license? I don't practice in a developing country. I live in New York. The decade of my life that I donated to my education dangles before me. I hang up the phone with Jonah, oblivious to my children and in a maelstrom of dicey emotions. I became a midwife to support women like myself, yet here I am avoiding such one. I became a midwife to safeguard physiological birth, yet I'm abandoning a devout physiological birther. I became a midwife to protect women from a corrupt system, but have I too become corrupt? Simone, I wanted to attend you as a friend. I want to whisper to you, you can do it. Birth is a healthy physiological fact, no matter how badly it hurts. Simone, I want to cry along with you when the excruciating energy draws the magnetic love of your baby out. I want to guide you to not tear. 
Simone, I want to be your friend, even if I am a skilled midwife. I sat alone on my couch as Simone labored alone. She hovered between two worlds in her near birth experience, but I could not be midwife. I could not be woman. I could not be friend. Oh, how I wished to slink into the dark shadow of her laboring bedroom and hold my breath lest I make a noise. My heart to beat with her heartbeat, inhaling courage and exhaling fear, but I stayed put right in my home, my professional license privileged, privileging my shackles. My license stares at me with the glistening eyes of a sadistic prankster. I'm privileged to be a provider, but I'm denied the privileges of a lay person. I've been granted autonomy as a prescriber, but in exchange, I've donated a piece of my autonomy as a human being. My love has become professionalized, my care protocolized, and my decision-making beholden to government scrutiny. Yet I defeatedly coward or confront the award I worked 10 years to obtain. I'm no longer centered in my own agency. I'm an extension of a system that I sought to subvert. Paradoxically, Simone can legally birth freely, but I cannot midwife freely. I am ignorant of Simone's past traumas. I respect her rights to birth choice regardless of the choice itself. I safeguard her heart. I pray for her in my home. The baby is coming, but I am staying. I abandoned my friend in primal birth. I abandoned my friend in rugged womanhood. I abandoned my friend in fresh, raw motherhood. I am a loyal, trusting friend, but as a licensed provider, friendship is outside of my legal scope of practice. That's the end. Oh. Oh, and I'm proud of myself for saying all those words. <laughs> you did great. Um, it's just, first of all, it's just so beautifully written. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I just love the author and um, how she writes. I wish I could write that way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I read that and I thought of our podcast because that is the whole point of making this podcast was how can we reflect on how we practice so that we can always come back to, you know, serving the families that we serve over um, the governments that license us. Um, but I just wanted to give it back to either of you, like any reflections or pieces that stood out to you or thoughts? Do you feel like you're, you've ever been in a situation like hers? I feel like we've been at births where we've been asked to be in that role, but we do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think New York City is particularly rigid mm -hmm. with licensure, and it sounds like she's a CNM, which carries its own restrictions mm -hmm. with supervision from OBs. Mm -hmm. So I think. Um, it made me think of a time when I was a student working with the preceptor and they were talking about an interview that they did with the family. And, and I don't remember really the specifics, like as far as how far along they were or what their deal was, but that they wanted, and this was a long time ago, but that they wanted a really hands-off birth and she drew the line at listening to the baby's heartbeat. Mm -hmm. She was like, I have to, I'm going to, you know, I need to be able to listen to the baby's heartbeat or mm -hmm. I can't be there. Mm -hmm. And thinking about that. And at the time feeling like, yeah, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. But um, 
now I have no problem with anyone who doesn't want me to listen to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it brings up, I mean, to get really into it, questions about um, personal relationships with people, with clients and people taking responsibility for their choices and, and their information and where they get the information and your comfortability, which probably isn't a word. Um, I like it though. Comfortability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's spell check. Um, <laughs> narc. Um, but just, yeah, with that person, you know, yeah. and coming from a place of like, what's your first response? Is it fear of losing your license or mm-hmm. fear? I mean, beyond that I would just want to make sure the person really understood because it's one thing to say oh I trust my body and I trust this but like if something did happen are they really in that place of Mm -hmm. being at peace with it which they could totally be and we've been at birth like that Mm -hmm. and it's been great yeah and it it sounded like it felt really solid and this one I mean just based on what the writing says it sounds like this person was really in that spot I mean I think you and I in that situation with that interview hoping that this doesn't get us our licenses taken away would totally be down Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. what about you emma um well because one of the things i was thinking about is um surprised at the midwife and also it makes total sense you know i've talked to midwives who in their mind one family can't be worth risking her ability to serve so many families, you know, and her ability to support her own family. And, um, and yeah, there is a difference between, um, families that are taking the responsibility and it becomes a shared responsibility, um, versus somebody hiring you to protect them and keep Mm -hmm. them safe, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because then you need to use all your tools because you're not in her body. You don't have the intuition in herself to know, just know that the baby's okay. The only way we know is by listening. So if you have a woman who's saying that she doesn't need that, that she knows it feels much different than somebody else who, um, yeah, has hired you to, to save her and protect her and her baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and hearing what she said about, you know, the water's broken and the GBS status and well, there was one other thing. What was it? Uh, I can't remember now, but it surprised me because that's okay. <laughs> you yeah. know, but mm-hmm. hearing her guidelines it makes sense why there are more and more families stepping outside the system Mm -hmm. because we're, we're kind of used now to the way we practice. Um, and so it, it, to me, it makes sense that somebody would want to have a midwife there, you know, just in case, but, but in hearing what she's talking about that, if she was at that birth, she already would have wanted to transfer, Mm -hmm. you know, like that she, and so of course this woman didn't want her there. you know, that she already would have potentially been sabotaged, um, in her experience. Um, yeah. So, so if a lot of midwives in the nation and in the world are practicing in this way with all these rigid boundaries, when, um, nothing bad has actually happened, 
you know, like the waters have been opened. It didn't say that she had signs of infection, you know, um, but like the just in case medicine, like, okay, well, let's, let's do this just in case because X, Y, Z where we, as long as our families are on board with us, practice more of a, you know, nothing is actually wrong. So let's not pretend there is or assume there's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I was thinking about, um, you know, when people are really basing their decisions on statistics too, like safety statistics, Mm -hmm. what ends up happening is that when you look at under what parameters those statistics were taken, like, Mm -hmm. is it with, you know, a hospital within 30 minutes and within 42 weeks and all of that stuff, that's when you sort of, I think, have to take into account those parameters Mm -hmm. Um, because you are stepping into an unknown um, and there's reasons why it's unknown that are political and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, logistical and all kinds of stuff, but yeah, that's, that's something to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful article. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's definitely something that licensed midwives have to face, yeah. you know, I think depending on the area that you're in, you get more for sure kind of opportunities like that or situations like that. Whereas I think other places that doesn't really mm-hmm. come up a ton where mm-hmm. somebody is in that place um you know I I will share this confidentially but I was with a mom who did not want a cesarean regardless of what happened and the way she was treated was astonishing Mm -hmm. it was like she was uh you know in jail for for homicide yeah I mean right the way yeah the way she was treated was pretty amazing um they start acting like they need yeah, and to this rest. Wasn't, this wasn't like a term baby it is that, you know, I won't get into it, but right. it was, um, it was pretty wild to me. It was, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It starts um, looking like they have to rescue the baby from the mother, you know? Yeah. Um, where, where the baby, um, yeah, that she couldn't also have, she can't have both of their best, best interests in mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It to me too gets into another, which is a whole other podcast rant, um, just radical choice, mm-hmm. you know, and for me that relates to bodily autonomy for women, which goes into, you know, reproductive rights and all of that, which I won't get into, but that's a part of why I'm a midwife. That's really deep for me. And like really fundamental is, is that concept of radical choice. Mm-hmm. And so if a woman, yeah, I think it's just that balance of like, does this person really have the information yeah. that you feel like they're making their decision from? And then who are you to say what information is correct? Right. But like, did they listen to two podcast episodes of something and decide that they're okay with whatever, you know, or have they actually like done work and sat with themselves and, you know, whatever, but um, that, and then just being, yeah, being there for what women really are asking for and to serve them in whatever choice they make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting too, because it's, you know, the more um, families are drawn to these, this type of birthing and these radical choices and the more 
they can find supporters who are willing to be there for them regardless it's going to like slowly push boundaries of what midwives and you know birth keepers are comfortable with um because we all have like the theoreticals in our head you know of what we're comfortable with but until you're actually in that situation mm-hmm. i've had people ask me before um like is there a situation you could picture or like if the situation was i didn't want to do something but you wanted me to or like a reason why you would transfer me or want to transfer me if I didn't want to be transferred. And I'm like, I guess theoretically that could happen, but I feel like because I'm doing the work of trusting, you know, trusting the mom and um, recognizing that the range of normal is so huge um, and, you know, watching that unfold like a little bit more outside of my comfort zone each time that um, I think it would take a lot um, for me to feel uncomfortable enough where I had to like leave a Mm -hmm. situation, you know, and I'm like, I'm sure it's possible, but highly unlikely because if there was a situation that was extremely dangerous, you, you would feel it you know, it wouldn't just be Mm -hmm. me, you know, you would be like, this is not okay. You know, cause no mom is just going to be like, oh yeah, I'm just going to stay home and I'm going to die. You know, like they, they're not, they're not being reckless, you know, in wanting to stay home in like unique situations. Yeah. The infantilization of women Mm -hmm. of logic, but she couldn't possibly know and take care of herself. Yeah. 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 Hmm yeah it was really just beautifully written when I read it um and yeah instantly thought of this podcast and just wanted to it's sad yeah it's really sad mm-hmm. I mean yeah I feel lucky that I don't have that <laughs> yeah yeah but it just I mean, reminds us that like mm-hmm. you know like that's that's it and and it reminds us it's out there that there are um still midwives that feel beholden to their license um and it makes sense that they do you know there it's all fear you know the reason why they're just like afraid to lose their license sure. because like she was saying she free birth she wanted to be there this was like her ideal client the, theoretically when she went into midwifery someone who trusts herself um and, and the birth experience and being a primate, you know, and she was like, why can't I go, you know, and she felt she couldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's another discussion piece of this that's diff- well, sort of related, sort of not, which again is another podcast thing, but there's also this thing that I've seen online, some posts mostly on social media about people who are sort of adamantly not wanting any help at their birth or support. Um, and then kind of in the middle of it, when things have gone kind of haywire, desperately reaching out to midwives and midwives really not being interested because they feel like they were, and this is a really different scenario and kind of thing, but- um, Yeah, being called into a shitstorm. <laughs> yeah, well, like, you know, kind of having- Uh, a situation where they're like kind of talking smack about midwives and that they Mm. they're just messing things up and blah 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 but then when a situation arises where you're like actually I would really love someone who possesses these skills 
mm-hmm. kind of calling and then reaching out and people sort of feeling like, Hey, why, why would I go out on a limb mm-hmm. when you've made it really clear? You think that we're irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. And I have, I don't know. I, I feel like I've been at births where this is the case, not that, but where's the case. I do think there's, I do think it's possible. I do think there's a happy medium where you can be there just in case. And, you know, I just, it makes me sad when I hear people who do unassisted births talk about midwives and I get it because of like this woman's art. Well, they're generalizing. They're generalizing Mm -hmm. for sure. But it, you know, I think that it's just sad that, Mm -hmm. that people feel like they can't even have someone there. Um, not even in case, just like a wise woman, like just someone to sit with you and be with you. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would hope that that person would make you feel more empowered, like more comfortable, mm-hmm. uh, empowered yeah. is the right word, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, mm-hmm. freer to let go because you're like, okay, this person is, they've got me. Yeah. Well, and from my understanding, there are some women who want to birth, um, you know, just like a family birth or on their own. Um, but most of them just feel they can't find the support that they're looking for, you know, somebody who is there just in case and won't, um, take over the birth experience or risk them out when they don't feel they're at risk. Um, that the majority of women actually would love a friend, a woman who's experienced in birth, you know, to be there and remind her that this is all normal. Um, and bonus, if they can be there for emergencies and have skills, you know, to help them avoid going to the hospital, um, Mm -hmm. if they don't have to, um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's tricky. And, and like stepping out of the hero complex, um, we just had a a family reach out to me. I was, I assisted at their first birth. Um, and they called me recently this week after, um, free birthing their, their son, their second child. And we're looking for a postpartum visit is what they said to like, check on the baby mom and see if, you know, they all looked okay. And, um, and if, I could help with the birth certificate and I could just tell they knew mom and baby were fine. They really needed help with a birth certificate and they weren't sure they weren't, they didn't feel comfortable just asking for that. Mm -hmm. You know, that you could just say like, Hey, I did this. We're all good. Like, could I have help with this? That I would be potentially too um, proud to help someone needed to feel needed yes like yes that like I couldn't just go over and help them with what they need that they were like oh maybe if we and I'm just putting words into their mouth right now I didn't like clarify this with them but I um I um drawing a blank on words but I explained to them that I love free birth and unassisted birth and I'm so happy for them and um I'm more than happy to come over and do whatever they need for me you know help them get their birth certificate um they had mentioned wanting to like just make sure the placenta look good there was some like interesting pieces to it um and I weighed the baby and um but it could just be what they wanted to be even if it just even if they just wanted the birth certificate. So, um, yeah, I just let them know that, that I'm okay with it just being paperwork. Like I don't, 
feel like it needs to be all or nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah. So I think, yeah, just being there for families for whatever they need, obviously within your comfort zone, but like trying to take the, your pride out of it, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, this was a little shorter one because we're going to do two podcasts today. We're going to do an interview later. Um, But any last thoughts either of you had or um, questions or? I think so. Yeah. Great. Well, um, I appreciate that was an article from Midwifery Today, and I will link the article in the show notes for anyone who wants to read it. Um, And thank you again for listening. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us at Born Wild Podcast on Instagram. For inquiries or feedback, you can email us at bornwildpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me, Emma Ray, on Instagram at Emma Ray, R-E-A, Sophia at sophiabirth.com, and me, Leah, at Bay Area Home Birth. We would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach more people. And as always... Stay wild.